The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. This woman grew up in a household where the parents fought a lot. So as a little girl, she created a fantasy world to escape to. As a young woman, she looked for a relationship that would make her feel safe and loved. The perfect man arrived and she married him. He was handsome and ultra successful, but instead of being happy, she only felt wrong, unworthy, and unimportant. In the end, the marriage failed, as did her second marriage. Devastated, she decided to heal and determine her own worth from the inside out while no longer seeking approval from men. It took time, tears, and self-honesty. But now she is guilt and anger-free and is helping others be the same. She has found her path to greatness. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Alana Pratt. Hi, Alana. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, Annette, I just want to jump through the Zoom and hug you now. That's a beautiful (laughs) introduction. Thank you for taking the time to really feel into what got me here. And you're a beautiful woman, so we're going to have a wonderful time today. Absolutely. And and we have limited time, so I'm going to jump right on in. So being true to oneself is easy to say, but often tough to do. You have finally gotten to a point where you are unapologetically true to yourself. So what was the aha moment that helped you see the path to doing this? Mm, I wouldn't say there's one moment. It's more like this lotus flower that just keeps unfolding and one growth grows into the next. But I'd say one of the very first moments of, aha, I get to live my own path was when I was 16. So I'm 50 now. And uh, my best friend died. I mean, my cat hadn't even died. My grandmas hadn't died. I didn't know people could just one day be alive and the next day dead. And after breathing and integrating and going for a bike ride with my friends, we were coming back down the hill to our cabin at the lake on a clear blue sky day. And there were two rainbows over my cabin, no clouds, nothing. And I said, oh, that's God, that's spirit. That's something I've never experienced before. That's maybe my friend even talking to me. And I, and it was like a fork in the road moment, Annette. I could have never met them, never felt this pain or met them, felt this pain and learn how to keep my heart open live fully and move forward. And it was like a no-brainer. I'm going to learn to keep my heart open. So this idea of living unapologetically is from the inside out because we're going to be hurt. We're going to be disappointed. We're going to be betrayed. We're going to have, like life is half pain, half pleasure, half challenge, half support, right? So we're going to experience these difficult times. And yet I choose in the face of it all to keep my heart open, keep walking forward and, and love myself and give my love to others. So that's what I would say to other women when it's time to live unapologetically. It's not about the outside in. It's about leaning into these life experiences and and literally letting them break you open to an even deeper, richer, broader, wider version of your loving, brave self. I'm going to go a little bit deeper on that because something you said brought a thought to my mind in terms of how we women that are so driven and especially power women, you know, they want to bury their emotions and not deal with pain. And, and I learned uh, a little trick that I do is when I feel that I have a trash can <laughs> in my office <laughs> and I'll go in and kick that trash can. Sometimes it really did it pretty bad, but I, I, but I let that emotion get out. And, and sometimes I cry when I'm doing it. You know, what you're saying to these women that are listening and even men that are listening, 
don't hold it in. No. Deal with it. Don't let yeah. it, don't let it paralyze you and sink you, but don't hide it either. Correct. Because I believe it'll, it can even kill you. When I, the second death that I dealt with in my life was my mom and she died at 61, liver cancer. And on a metaphysical Louise Hay, you can heal your life, Carolyn Miss, way that we look at energies. Cancer of the liver is where the anger is stored and not integrated. And so she did the right thing, was there for others, helped others, served others, gave to others, but didn't take the time to also balance it out and give to herself to integrate those wounds to let go of those angered moments, those shameful moments, those raging moments. And you just push them down and put on a happy face and, you know, make dinner for the kids. Right. And I believe it contributed to, to the cancer and to taking her life. So it's very important that we balance out our masculine and feminine energies. Yes, we can be driven, but there's a just as powerful feminine energy of allowance sitting in the fire, burning with that emotion. So it goes all the way through to the other side So we can be like the phoenix rising where the anger can teach us something. The sadness can teach us something. The grief can teach us something. Yeah. And you've led beautifully into my next question. So thank you. Good. (laughs) All women experience heartbreak during their life, whether it be a failed love relationship or a business relationship that went wrong. So how does one truly let go so that it doesn't replay over and over in one's head? Oh, so good. And you're, you're very accurate there because that's where it does replay. Mm-hmm. That's not where the solution lies. Science tells us that the true highest level of coherence, they can measure it these days, of the heart is when the heart and the mind are in unity, in harmony. And we need to start in the heart. And so when we've been betrayed and we lean in and we do the work, I like the point of view is I chose this for myself. I'm not a victim of my circumstances. I sit in a throne And I take my little you, an imaginary little you from my heart, the one who's betrayed, mad, sad, scared, ashamed, whatever. She sits with me. We both sit in the throne. We're the queens. And we look at the situation as if we chose it ourselves for our lesson. No more blaming. No more victim. Ah, I chose that. It was the catalyst from which I learned to find my voice, from which I learned how to loosen my grip, from where I learned that my body is a divine temple, not a piece of meat where I learned that my sisters aren't there to compete with, they, they're there to collaborate with. And so these are the lessons we can learn. So it stops spinning in the head. We need to feel to heal, not think. You don't raise your coherence in your heart from thinking. You can only raise it through feeling. And if appreciation and gratitude is too hard, then you feel compassion and empathy and love for yourself. And that's the path home. And just start someplace, right? Just start someplace, but get out of your head. And start feeling. And <laughs> start feeling. Yeah. Oh, you you mentioned something about betrayal, and that leads into my next question. Yeah. Successful entrepreneur and corporate women have all experienced the employee or boss who betrayed them in some way. And as a result, so many pull up walls around them and don't let others get close emotionally. So how have you learned to be open and trusting again as a businesswoman while still protecting yourself from harm? Mm, Thank you. One point of view is that I'm unbreakable and unharmable. I mean, I can get cut, but you can't hurt the real me, the spirit me, the infinite me. So my spirit is unbreakable. So I have a different point of view. So I don't get scared of being hurt because I might get wounded or, or need to clean something up financially or emotionally, but no one and no thing can ever take my spirit down. And I know that in my bones. So that's one point of view. The other point of view around this idea of trust, 
I used to give trust away. Can I trust you, mommy? Can I trust you, daddy? Can I trust you, boss? Can I trust you, husband? But that's giving my power away to something I can't control that's inherently perfectly imperfect. Why on earth would I try to trust something that I can't control and that is inherently a human? And all of us humans are are gloriously flawed. We're going to make mistakes, me included. So to trust that is a little insane. But what I can trust is me. I can trust me. In order to get back into me, I've got to forgive myself for not seeing a red flag, not taking the time, maybe getting too excited. Oh my God, what a great deal. Oh, I'm finally good enough. And you take a step. And then because your ego or your wounded ego was leading the way, you get betrayed to go back inside and to forgive that part inside. Hey, it looked too good to be true. You didn't slow down and feel. You didn't bravely ask those tough questions. You didn't listen to that. "Uh Uh-huh. Uh-uh. I forgive you. You did your best. And I still love you. And when you do this inner work to come home, what you realize is that you know what you know. Thoughts come and go. We spin in our head. We yes today, no tomorrow, but our heart and our gut, our instincts and our intuition, especially as women, we're spot on every time. We know who we can call at three in the morning who's not going to judge us. We know that, right? So there's a knowing, but the practice is, are you willing to listen and live by it? And that's the way we really can trust ourselves to make better decisions. And at the end of the day, even if it doesn't go well, Even if you trusted yourself, but it's still messed up, you can still trust that I can get back up again. I fell down seven times. I'll get back up eight. I got my back. And then even deeper than that trust is back to the beginning where I said I'm unbreakable, trusting that God, the universe, the divine is always there. It never goes anywhere ever. It's only us that disconnect so that we can trust that we are always held and that we have our own back and that the universe has our back. And that allows us to risk with discernment and awareness, but to play and to create and to collaborate. It allows for more juicy freedom of being alive when you know at the end of the day, come what may, I'm okay. And I always will be. Well, and and we get ourselves really in trouble a lot when when we try to control things from an intellectual standpoint only. Yeah. And, you know, most of us women are pretty daggone smart. And yeah. so we think, well, we can figure it out. And so often when things go wrong, I can speak from my own entrepreneur journey. So often when an employee didn't turn out the way I expected, if I look back, there was a nagging something that said that, you know, this he or she is not the right hire, yeah. but I was putting myself under a deadline. This had to be done by such and such date. I, I can say, I guarantee everybody listening has been guilty of this at some point in time, whether it's in their, their own entrepreneur space or in the corporate scene. And I have gotten better with the years as I've gotten wiser. Skin knees make you wiser, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I hope it does for all of us that we pay attention to what not only intellectually we are thinking and what we're seeing with our eyes, but what we're feeling with our gut. Thank you. And that's why in the end, I called myself an intimacy expert. I do deal with relationships and single people and couples, but it all comes down to that fundamental building block of self-realization on the inside, intimacy with self, intimacy with uh uh-huh, uh-uh, intimacy with our feeling that we know what we know. And normally when I've made these mistakes, I'm not coming from that place. I'm coming from desperation, emptiness, pushing, drive, plowing through. I'm not in balance. 
my king and queen on the inside of my being haven't had a chit chat about it yet. It's just the king energy, masculine, do, do, do. She's like, uh, hello, didn't you feel that? Like they haven't had a chit chat on the inside. And so that is, I believe, one of the greatest lessons of intimacy is that if we take the time and we need to create the time to sit in the fire, to have our morning practice, to have our advisors or counselors that we speak to, to have our time to pray or meditate, to journal, whatever your practice is, to get out of here for a while and go in and know what you know. That will keep you safer financially, personally, professionally, all realms. Yeah, and that's such great wisdom. I'm just so glad you're sharing that. So I'm going to move into the love and money space for a second. Yeah. So you believe that if you can't be open to receiving love, then money will not come easily. So I want you to explain what you mean by this and what our listeners can do to open, be open, more open to love. Mm, thank you. I love this conversation. It all really comes down to self-worth, the receiving, the feminine energy. So many of us, like I'm a cum laude graduate of an Ivy League school. I'm a go-getter. I'm a driven woman. But that's the energy going out of the figure eight of the infinity symbol. That's the out. But if we can't let it come back in to our body first, the energetic vibration of receiving. A lot of people that want and want and try and try and hope and hope, the experience they're having is lack. That's actually the experience. That's actually the vibration that they're putting out in their email, their communications, their dating communications, their professional communications. It's, I don't have, and I want, so I can finally exhale. But that vibration is a low, needy, empty vibration. But if we can get into this place of, I already have it. What does that feel like? Home, worthiness. And a lot of us have trouble feeling home with a lot of compliments, having a lot of money. We need to justify. We need to like fail a little more or earn it or justify. We can't, we almost have competition of who's more tired. And it's, it's really not good for our well-being or our adrenal system. So the idea of I, can you feel in this moment, I am adored, adored, cherished. Someone is devoted to me. Someone sees me. So that would be like a personal feeling, right? A personal relationship. Can you feel that money is on my dream team? Money adores me. Money loves to be wind in my wings. Money loves to support my impact on the planet. Can you receive when you look in your wallet? Hi, money. Thanks for being there. When you look on your bank account, your investments, hi, like an intimate relationship with money. Do we honor money like we would honor a lover? Do we take time to listen to money? Oh, you want me to manage it this way? Put 10% aside every month. Invest a little here. Reinvest here. Do we actually have a relationship that's intimate, slow, listening, uh uh-huh, uh-uh, with money like we do with love? And it all comes down, in my opinion, to are we worthy? Do we believe that even though we failed, I still deserve wealth and love? Even though I made a mistake, I don't need to punish myself with guilt or shame anymore. I deserve love and money. Do we feel we can be a steward of millions of dollars to make an even bigger impact on the planet and not let it get to our head? Yes, we can if we're equal roots and shoots, if we're equal feminine receptivity and masculine drive. So yeah, love and money is all energy. And we are, as feminine creatures, receptive or not, worthy or not. Yeah. Yeah. And so many struggle with that worthiness component, even how they talk to themselves. 
Yes. And so those of you listening, be so aware of the conversation you have with yourself. I know we've talked about that on some of the other interviews that uh, these powerful women have had, but it's just so important that you stay the self-talk in a positive place, not saying things like I'm not worthy or I'm stupid or I'm fat or all these things that make you feel not worthy of love or, or goodness that comes into life. Yeah. Because the universe, God, I believe, wants to ask and it's given. But if we're not the energetic, receptive vibration space to receive it, it'll just pass us by like a merry-go-round going too fast. I remember, Annette, I had two marriages, two divorces, and the second marriage moved into a 12-year custody battle. And I had, my intuition said, if you win, it's going to get worse. So even though I fought for my son the whole time, I sabotaged it the whole way because his rage was so great that if I actually won more custody, his reaction, his revenge could have been awful. And so in the end, I lost. I gave over 70-30 instead of 50-50. I was in a quarter of a million debt at that point. I lost my house. I lost my savings and all that legal debt. And then finally, one day, my son said, after all those years of fighting for him, you, well, whatever he said, and he went to go live with dad, like the worst. I was even rejected by him. And I remember choosing a controlled nervous breakdown cabin in the middle of nowhere, said to my staff, I, give me a good two, three weeks. I just need to lose my shit here and just come home to myself. And I sat on that deck day after day, and I found all the little yous inside Annette, the humiliated one. How can I be a relationship expert when this is my life? Like, am I worthy when every, my son is the only thing left to live for and he has rejected me? All, I made a whole list of the, all of these things. I'm all the negative talk, Mm -hmm. all that you're not worthy of, all of it. And then day after day after day, I sat there on that huge deck, not a house in any direction, this big expanse of Mother Gaia, Mother Earth was right there holding me. And I said, even if everybody opts out of my list, I love and accept myself. Even if I never make any more money, I can't pay off this debt. I'm bankrupt and I'm a barista in Costa Rica. (laughs) I love and accept myself. Even if my son never returns, I love and accept myself. Like it just makes me cry now. And it's been years because so few of us unconditionally without condition love ourselves. We only give ourselves love if we succeeded, if we look good, if we had more Facebook likes, if we made more money, if our butt is small, if somebody loves us, like the list goes on. And I was like, done. So true. Yeah. I was done. Like no matter what, I refuse to hate myself. I will love and accept myself. And it was a profound spiritual direct experience where after a good two, three weeks of this, Annette, I had like head to toe, like I couldn't feel gravity. I couldn't feel where I ended and the, and the air began. I had like oneness with spirit. And I had such humble gratitude that God never went anywhere. Love never went anywhere. It was me through abusing myself, criticizing myself, that same disconnection on the inside was then being projected on the outside. And as I came home to myself and I learned to love my wobbly as much as my badass self, everything started to shift. My son called, more clients came, more success came everything just started to flourish and I didn't need it anymore to be enough. It was the extra. So the gratitude was huge. The humility was huge. Uh, And the success has done nothing but get bigger and bigger. And I feel that I now live as a facilitator of this energy for spirit. I work for the big one. 
It's like, I have my own corporation, but like, I'm here to love and to teach as many people as I can to unconditionally love themselves. Cause then we're free. Then we're free. Yes, we absolutely are. And I'm going to go into that loving yourself in a little different way. Powerful women can easily lose their sexy selves uh-huh. running companies. So from your perspective, how can they tap into the sexy sides of themselves when they have so little time? Mm, I wish you had been on my newsletter because uh, I, <laughs> I sent it on Tuesday because just this week I spoke about making love to life, having sex with life. So normally we think of sexual energy as only bound chicka bound bound, right? Genital copulation. But sexual energy is actually sacred life force energy. It's the idea to do this series. It's the idea to write a book. Sacred sexual energy is also this healing, caring, loving, nurturing, divine feminine energy that we can give ourselves, or we can give our children or give our friends. It's also fierce love. A lot of us, when our hearts are closed to this sexual life force uh, energy coming through us, we shut our heart and we're angry and we emasculate the ones we love. But when our heart is open, this sacred sexual energy can be fierce love. Like, I love you. This needs to change. I love you. We can do this. I love you. We're going to create a new reality. It's fierce love, which is a very powerful place that a woman can go. And of course, this sacred sexual energy is also very erotic and sensual and delicious as well. And so we don't need to just wait for genital copulation. We can savor our coffee in the morning. We can let the sunrise penetrate our soul. We can savor all these moments as rich, delicious moments to praise a girlfriend, flirt with a girlfriend, say, girl, you're looking so good today. Like it's this this energy flowing through us. It never has to stop. And we can even toy and be coy and alluring with the divine and wake up and say, penetrate me. What do you have for me today, universe? Have your way with me. Like we can allow this energy to move in as and through us. We don't have to live in our head the whole time. So many things can be delicious if we let ourselves feel, not just the thought, not just the image, but the thought, image, emotion, and the body sensations. We are full-blooded creatures. So life can be so much more delicious. And lastly, even pain can be delicious. And people are like, what? When you lean in to something really disappointing and you love without condition, not to go in and fix this part of you, but to be with this part of you and breathe a good five seconds, 10 seconds, there's a deliciousness that comes from pain because it only came because you cared so much. It only came because you loved so much. It only came because you were brave and courageous. So the pain, like like a heart, the pain and your courage all sort of come together into this exquisite moment of being alive. So all of your life can be more juicy. And then a practical tip is, are you self-pleasuring? Are you wearing sexy underwear? Are you having a girl's night? Are you dancing as you're putting your makeup on? There's these little things you can do. But if you don't have that, bodily, soulful experience as well. It's just going to be like, you know, the women that have the push-up bra and they might outside look sexy, but they don't feel sexy because the sacredness, the sacredness isn't there. Right. So it's a mix. And when you get it together, Ooh, it's, it is delicious, isn't it? (laughs) It is. It's It's so juicy. (laughs) It is juicy to be alive. It really is. 
So is there anything else about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? No, Annette, you're a great question asker. I've so enjoyed this. I think the last thing I would say is that we never get there. There's no, oh, and then I'm finally enough, or oh, and then there's enough money, or and then I get the guy, or then I lose two dress sizes. Like there's no getting there. Because if you've noticed, you work hard, you get something, and you're happy for a little bit, but then you need to do it again. And it's this roller coaster hamster wheel that the ego and society wants us to stay on. I inspire, I choose to inspire all of us to live our fullest life, but don't misunderstand that you need to be or you need to do more to be enough, that your greatness can be in the presence you have with your child as you listen to them in a way that very few ever listen to them. Your greatness can be in how you send that personal note to a friend because you slowed down in your meditation and they came to mind and you didn't let that pass, but you took the time not just to send a text, but a beautiful note of how much you appreciate them and how much you love them. That's a moment of greatness. And of course, building companies that impact the world and changing a whole new way that we do reality, like my dating app is a new category. It's not just a dating app. It's a dating app and intimacy training rolled into one because people need to become the one to find the one, to keep the one. So I believe that is going to change the world and change the way people consciously come together. So that was like a bigger example, but it's not a better example. I'm not better because of that. It's just a larger expression of that very same love of just holding myself on a tough day and saying, hey, good job, Alana. You showed up today. You showed up. That's just as important. Yeah. And Alana, I think that's beautiful. And you have been a wonderful guest. Thank you for being so authentic and sharing so much of yourself. I'm just thrilled that you took time out of your crazy schedule for us to come together to have this discussion. I am so grateful for the depth at which you have asked questions and listened because this is a figure eight between the two of us. The depth of your listening allows for even more to come through me. So thank you so much, sister. You're so welcome. Alana is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. 